This is the Cigar Dave Podcast with The General. Salutations, Cigar Dave, The General, front and center from Command Center Alpha. And we are conducting our first Twitter Spaces broadcast, and we welcome you. As always, I extend a long-ash snappy salute. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. And so today I've got several topics that I will get to. And then for the very first time in, well, since we ended the terrestrial radio broadcast, uh, the end of June 2020, we will be able to take your calls, as they say in the world of broadcasting. But we'll be able to do so electronically uh, here on Twitter. So if you would like to be uh, be recognized, I think there is a button. I fact, not think there is. I know there is a button where you can, I think, kind of raise your hand or you can certainly uh, let us know and then we will get to you in sequential order. Again, this is the first time we're doing spaces, so we are giving it a try. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Davidoff of Geneva. Introducing the new Avo Caribe. Experience the journey of flavor created by a synchronized blend of tobaccos from the Caribbean, accentuated with a touch of lively fillers from Central America. Head to the land where palm trees sway to the breeze of the sea with the new Avo Caribe, available at DavidoffGeneva.com. And by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the new Gurkha Revenant, the five-country fusion. Of exceptionally aged tobaccos will immediately jumpstart your senses for a cigar journey that only Gurkha can deliver. Offered in both Corojo and Maduro presentations. Fire up a new Gurkha Revenant today. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. Well, last week, Cigar Aficionado introduced, or I should say, released the top 25 cigars of 2021. They do it in uh, sequential order over several days. And the number one cigar is the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series Torpedo in the natural wrapper. My personal favorite is the Maduro. But anything from Padron, to me, is ranked number one. You name it. Their Padron Damaso, which is one of my favorites, their first Connecticut-wrapped uh, cigar that they released about five years ago. 1926 series, they're 64, they're family reserved. I don't care what Padron makes. I love all of it. In fact, the regular Padron series is fantastic. Can't go wrong. But what I find interesting is looking at the list. Now, there are great cigars that are on here. For example, the Alec and Bradley Kintsugi came in at number 25. Love it. The Ashton Heritage Puro Soul, number 23, great cigars. A couple of Cuban cigars that were in here. Why they even bother, since the majority of their readers are in the United States and you can't legally purchase Cuban cigars, why include them in the list? have no clue. But all the cigars that are on here are very good, and there's nothing wrong with any of these cigars. My question is this. How can you legitimately rate what is number one and number 25? To me, when I'm enjoying a cigar, I'm firing up a cigar. It's not about just the cigar. It's who I'm enjoying the cigar with. For example, I would kill to be able to smoke a cigar with my grandfather's cigar aid. My grandfather smokes cigars. I love being around him. I love being around the aroma. Just absolutely loved the whole cigar experience with him. In fact, 
<clears throat> when I was five years old, I'll never forget this. He was in the wallpaper and paint business, and we were standing in the store on a Saturday. My father would drop me off uh, for the day, and I'd say, come on, Papa Abe, let me have a puff. And he looked at me and said, okay, but don't tell your daddy. And I took a puff. Now, did I inhale? No. Did I really take a full puff? No. I just, you know, as your five-year-old, six-year-old kid, what do you know? Took a little bit of a puff, and he said, all right, that's enough. And I said, that's it. And I just loved being around cigars. To this day, when I smell the aroma of a cigar, when I light a cigar, I think of him. And I was only the only grandchild that, that really took up an appreciation for cigars, to be a connoisseur of cigars. So it's not just about what the cigar tastes like, the construction, it's also who you are smoking with. So my question was, I wonder what the criteria is. Now, on their page where they list the top 25. They say step one is they review the highest scoring cigars from the past year and assemble a new tasting of only these cigars. Step two, they repurchase, reband, and then re-smoke the cigars blind. Tasters don't know the identity of the cigar. Okay. Step three, the top scoring cigars are then smoked against each other through multiple rounds. And step four, a new list of 25 cigars is assembled. Now, if you are smoky, they take, they said, the top, the highest scoring cigars from the past year. So I don't know if that's 25, 50, 100, 200, who the hell knows? But all I can tell you is this. How can you rate one cigar a number one and a number one a number two or a number eight or a number 25? Personally, I think these lists are all bullshit. To me, if you smoke a cigar, you enjoy it. I can't list a cigar and say, for example, if I were to smoke right now, the Avo Synchro Caribe, love that cigar. And then I would fire up, let's say, a Rocky Patel Vintage 99 Connecticut. And then I would fire up, let's say, the Alec and Bradley Kintsugi or one of the PDR cigars that we featured in our December Officers Club. I would be able to say, I like this cigar because it's medium bodied. It's got notes of uh, sweetness. It's got some pepper. It's got some spice. Or the other one is more creamy. It's, it's more on the mild side. I can't give you a rating say, this one is number four. This one is number two. To me, you like the cigar or you don't like the cigar. It's actually pretty simple. Everybody tries to make things complicated. So in my estimation... I know people will run out and they'll go out and buy the number one cigar. Now, here's the thing. Padron has all the business they can handle. Padron right now, this is very unique in the cigar industry. They have no sales staff. When you call or you want an order for Padron cigars, if you're a retailer, you call up their number and say, I, I need in Miami. And you say, I need 10 boxes of this, 50 boxes of this. They have no sales staff. They sell everything they make. I know this because I've been down to their headquarters in Little Havana many, many times. And I see shipments come in and I see shipments go out. So this isn't going to do anything to help Padron. They sell everything. Everybody knows Padron makes fantastic cigars. One of the best manufacturers out there. And they have been since 1964. Now, where this helps are boutique-type manufacturers or manufacturers that maybe have launched a cigar that hasn't done too much, and then all of a sudden it hits number one on the list, 
And the next thing you know, there's a run on those cigars for a few months. And then everything gets back to normal. Can it certainly make a unknown manufacturer or distributor? Absolutely. Is this going to change Padron? No. Everybody already knows Padron makes great cigars. So as I said, everything Padron makes, you cannot go wrong with. Avo Cigars has just launched the newest addition to the Avo Synchro series entitled the Avo Synchro Caribe. Fourth line in the Avo Synchro series, it is centered around the concept of tobacco synchronization. They incorporate the diversity, complexity, and compatibility of cigar tobaccos from the Caribbean and Central America to create a natural harmony, a Caribbean soul, a very dynamic cigar. It uses natural distribution. What does that mean? The proportions of the cigar tobaccos on any given plant perfectly matched in the blending process. So what you get is a Dominican wrapper. You get filler tobaccos from Nicaragua, a binder from Ecuador that are matched absolutely perfectly. The taste, a lively, dynamic, harmonious flavor profile of Caribbean flavors, aromatic spices, some complex cocoa, a beautiful medium-bodied cigar with subtle sweetness resembling tropical fruits. The flavors, rhythm, and lifestyle of the tropics are encapsulated in the new Avo Synchro Caribe, available now at your cigar retailer or DavidoffGeneva.com. Now, the World Economic Forum, Davos, you're probably familiar with that term. All these globalists, and as Bernard Sanders would say, these billionaires and zillionaires, because trillionaires, they all get together. They don't give a damn about us. They get together in Switzerland. They have their hoity-toity meals. They smoke $5,000 cigars, $25,000 bottles of wine. They live large. And they pretty much do. They all fly. I love these people. These are the same people that whine about climate change but fly into their, uh, to to the Davos conference on their private jets. There are loads of them. There's you know, 400 jets sitting there. And they'll then go out and say, we have to do more to reduce carbon emissions. We have to make sure that people know they have to convert to electric vehicles. When was the last time you saw a billionaire, zillionaire, or trillionaire, but Bernard Sanders would say, go out and buy an electric plane? Never. It doesn't exist. But they have no problem with their jets sipping tons of fuel. And I have no problem with private air transportation. I'm a private pilot. I like flying private, no problem. I like uh, commandeering Alpha Army One. But I'm not sitting there telling everybody, "Oh, if you're not, you got, you got to change your life for climate change." There's no grilling. You got to you got to raise your thermostat in the summer. You can't have your air conditioning set at 68. No, no, you got to be at 78. And in the winter, oh, you got to bring it right down to 65. You can't have it at 72 or 73. While they make sure that their thermostats are set nice and cool in the winter and nice and toasty or correction nice and cool in the summer and toasty warm in the winter they're all full of shit piled higher and deeper now this is amazing the head of the uh, the guy who's in basically the founder of the world economic forum better known as davos is a gentleman by the name of klaus schwab yeah, from Germany, don't you know? 
He is uh, uh, an economic, uh, economist from Germany, now lives in Switzerland. Well, Klaus kicked off this year's World Economic Forum earlier this week. It's all virtual because of the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus. So we can thank President Xi Jinping and all of his communist bastard buddies in China. And let's not forget Fuhrer Fauci, because we know he funded the gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab. And whether the Wuhan virus was unleashed intentionally or accidentally, we do know that the Chinese Communist Party concealed it for many months. They're still concealing it today. They've got lockdowns just ahead of the Olympics in numerous cities. One of the cities, Xi'an, locked down. It's a city larger, an area, a metro area larger than the population of the New York metro area. Locked down. Can't go out. Period. Keeping it quiet. Well, you will be shocked, absolutely shocked, to see who the first speaker, that Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum, introduced earlier this week. That's this the moment, I see several priorities for the global agenda. We must continue to fight against the global pandemic. We must revitalize the global economy and accelerate its transition to net zero. We must preserve biodiversity by deploying nature-based solutions, and we must narrow the gap between the rich and the poor to achieve more sustainable global development. With these goals in mind, it is my distinct honor and great privilege to introduce His Excellency Xi Jinping, President of the People's Republic of China, to open the Davos Agenda. You have got to be kidding me. The guy responsible whose country is responsible for spreading a global pandemic. The Chinese Communist Party, Xi Jinping. This is the first guy that you're introducing to open up your World Economic Conference? And he says, I see several priorities for our global agenda, yeah? We must continue to fight against the global pandemic. So you're telling everyone... All these billionaires and big-time CEOs, we have to continue to fight against the global pandemic. And the first guy that you introduce for the World Economic Forum is Xi Jinping of China? You can't make this shit up. It is truly remarkable. And here's another little note about Klaus Schwab. His son is married... Yeah, to a woman from China, and his son runs the Beijing office of the World Economic Forum. Yeah, isn't that amazing? You can see the twisted tales, how everything is intertwined. Everybody's got their hand in their pockets. Do you think Schwab is going to go against China and say, hey, listen, Xi Jinping, that son of a bitch, He's the reason we're fighting this global pandemic. Hell no.
It is amazing to me that these globalists who sit there and say, oh, we need to have climate change action, dramatic action to cut down the emissions, to make sure that our seas aren't rising. We have to all do our part. And they never do their part because we know that climate change is a fabricated load of nonsense. It is nothing more than a wealth transfer scheme. That's it. And as the example I use all the time, Barack Obama, for umpteen years, Obama went around the country and around the world saying, climate change, uh, we've we got to do something about it. The seas in, 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 the seas in Miami and the, 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 in New York and, and in California, the, the seas are rising. The ocean is rising. Sea levels are rising. we got to fight it immediately. He's so worried about rising sea levels that two years ago he dropped 13 million on a on an estate in Martha's Vineyard on the water at sea level. Now, really, do you think anybody would drop 13 million dollars on an estate at sea level if they were truly legitimately concerned about rising sea levels? We all know the answer to that. By the way, if you would like to chime in. And join the conversation. We have the ability to do so. Uh, I believe there is a way that you can just go ahead and, uh, I don't know if it's raise your hand or mark that you want to speak, but there is a way that you can do that here on the Twitter spaces. And I should remark also that this Twitter spaces broadcast will also drop as a Cigar Dave podcast. And we're going to do more of these because we really miss the two-way interaction where people can join. The One of the biggest complaints that I get when longtime listeners of the show email me or send me a, a tweet or a Facebook post. They say, we really miss the ability to have the two-way conversation, chime in with our comments, ask questions. So if you would like to do so, by all means, go ahead, do it, and uh, we will recognize you and we will get you on. Okay, last topic that I want to get to before we open it up. There's a gentleman by the name of Chamath Pali Hapitiya. He is a woke venture capitalist from Silicon Valley. He's a billionaire, as Barad Sanders would say. Let me give you a little story about this guy. He's from Sri Lanka originally. He's 45 years of age. His father was a diplomat for the Sri Lanka government uh, for five years. His father served uh, as a as an attache at the consul, consulate in Ottawa, Canada. Eight, five years. When his appointment was up after five years, Sri Lanka was in the midst of a civil war. And his father criticized, apparently, some of the sides of the civil war and feared that if he went back, his family would be in danger. So in 1986... The family filed for refugee status in Canada, and then I believe maybe also in the United States, not sure, but initially in Canada. He didn't want to go back to Sri Lanka. Now, I want you to remember this. This is a very important element of this story that I'm going to speak about and the soundbite that I will play. His family didn't want to go back to Sri Lanka because they were afraid that they would be possibly tortured, could be killed, could be jailed, didn't want to go back to Sri Lanka. 
Now, let's fast forward to current day. Chamath Palihapitiya is a billionaire. He is the founder of Social Capital at a, a venture capital firm where their slogan is, quote, advance humanity by solving the world's hardest problems. Advancing humanity. Now, you listen to that and you say social capital, advancing humanity. The man is a saint. The man wants to help the world. He was an early senior executive at Facebook, left, raised plenty of capital, obviously, and started social capital. Now, he is the chairman of Virgin Galactic, which is the space company shooting stuff into space. Uh, they, I think it was Sir Richard Branson went up in the Virgin Galactic rocket, or whatever that was. He's a part owner and investor in the Golden State Warriors. He's a dem. He's a lib. That's fine. 250000 he donated to the Biden Victory Fund. Now, I want you to listen. He was on a podcast earlier this week, or maybe late last week. And he was asked about the human records, human uh, rights record in China. I want you to listen to his reply. Talk about arrogance, smugness. Now, remember, this is the guy who donated $250,000 to the Biden Victory Fund because we know everybody that supported slow Joe Biden wanted a better tone. They wanted more harmony between Democrats and Republicans. This is the guy that started social capital to advance humanity. Take a listen to what he had to say. The smugness will jump off your speaker. In my look, look, I, I think I'm spending a lot of time and money actually trying to fortify America's supply chain. You guys know about some of the things that I'm Absolutely. doing. I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing that from a moral perspective. I'm doing that from a practical capitalist perspective. I think the jobs are better served for Americans. And I think that we should have the ability to build our own businesses, just like China has the right to do for themselves, without the risk of these things being undercut by policies that we don't understand which is effectively what you do when you outsource your supply chain to countries where you're not 100% aligned with them. Yeah, and they're dictatorships. So, I, again, I'm not, I, I, I'm not even sure that, that, it is, that China is a dictatorship the way that you want to call it that. Again, I think Communist that... Communist country that's in the name. Look, you have to understand, Jason, there are a set of checks and balances here on China that, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think that I have the moral absolutism to judge China. And I would say that when NATO is silent, the United Nations is silent, all of Western Europe is silent, and America is effectively silent, that this issue may be small data points being extrapolated in a way to create a narrative that may be not be true. And if it is true, Jason, there is a responsibility for those body politics to do something because that is the early warning signal that the rest of the world uses to say, okay, hold on, let me reprioritize my list of things. So, so your I guess what I'm saying is I am not going to be an armchair journalist on this topic, nor am I going to be the armchair human rights advocate for the world, because I just don't know. I can focus on the things that I know about, build the things that I know about. And if something really does get red light status, then other parties will do something. And again, I just want to be clear. NATO is silent. United Nations is silent. America is silent. A press release doesn't change the actual technical posture on these topics. Okay. Well, I'll tell you who wasn't silent, President Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States. The blatant, there's no other word, gall, for Polyhapatia, 
to say, I'm not even sure China is a dictatorship. You're not sure? And he says, at the end of the day, I don't have the moral absolutism to judge China. This is a kid. This is a guy whose parents filed for refugee status because they didn't want to go back to Sri Lanka that was in the midst of a civil war, fearing that his father could be jailed, the family could be imprisoned, executed, who knows? And this clown doesn't have the moral absolutism to judge China. He's not even sure China's a dictatorship. And that's the Uyghurs are at the bottom of his list. There's over a million Uyghur Muslims that are in 50 to 70 camps around China. The reason we know this is through satellite imagery. And you are telling me that you are not sure about China? You're not sure about, they have a set of checks and balances? The Chinese Communist Party are ruthless bastard pricks, period. They're not only the enemy of the world, they're the enemy of America. They're the enemy of freedom. They're the enemy of free speech. They're the enemy of truth. They are responsible, along with Fuhrer Fauci, of killing millions and millions of people around the world and the spread of a global pandemic, which destroyed economies left and right. And this clown, Shamath Palihapitiya, is not sure. That is absolutely, blatantly, morally revolting. And then he came out with really not an apology, just stating that he was, the way his tone wasn't, wasn't proper, but he never apologized. And this is the guy that founded social capital to advance humanity by solving the world's hardest problems. Please. This is the problem when you hear these billionaires and you see these corporations that are doing business in China knowing how they silence their own citizens, knowing how they treat the people who disagree with the government. I mean, they're a brutal dictatorship any way you want to look at it. And Xi Jinping has solidified his power more than any other Chinese premier or president. End of discussion. Revolting. The Golden State Warriors, of course, backed away from his statement. Same thing with Virgin Galactic. Now, remember, he's the chairman of the board of Virgin Galactic, and Virgin Galactic came out with a statement saying he does not represent our views. I guarantee you, guarantee you, that the NBA, even though some people may say, well, look, what he said, yeah, I disagree with that's not wrong, they won't say a word. Now, they'll criticize any form of supposed racism here in the United States or election suppression, which we know is bullshit. But when there's actual people, over a million people in work camps and being mistreated and being killed, they don't open their mouths. I have zero respect for the NBA. I haven't watched an NBA game in I don't know how many years, and I never will. Zero interest. But for this clown to so smugly state that, hey, it's on the bottom of my list. I don't care. I got other things, and I don't even know that China's a dictatorship. Boy, for somebody that's supposedly a smart guy that's a billionaire, he's pretty damn stupid. 
All right. Let me uh, open it up here if anybody would like to comment, not only on this, any of the topics we talked about today. Anything else? If you have any questions, comments on what's going on, we will open it up. Uh, Sergeant Steve, I see that you are a co-host. So let me see. Hold on a second here. I have to wait. Hold on a sec here. I believe that I have to unmute you. So wait. No, you don't. I'm here. Oh, you're there? Okay, fantastic, Sergeant Steve. So, so far, technically so good? Yes. Okay, fantastic. Uh, I am not sure on how to, I believe if there's a listeners, I don't know if I have to invite listeners or anybody would like to speak. They can request to speak and then you have, then we can grant them, uh, open them up. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so we're going to open it up real quick. Anybody would like to speak? Now is your time. Going once, going twice. Okay, not bad for our inaugural broadcast. Gurkha is known for creating the world's finest cigars. And to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the Gurkha brand being launched in the United States, the blenders at Gurkha created the Gurkha Trenta. Celebrating and commemorating 30 years of cigar excellence, the Gurkha Trenta, everything you would expect from a Gurkha. Exquisite construction, exquisite flavor, exquisite pleasure. A nice medium, medium full-bodied cigar featuring an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. A Nicaraguan Corojo 99 binder and the filler, Nicaraguan Corojo 99, Nicaraguan Criollo 98, created by the great blenders and growers at Aganorsa Farms in Nicaragua. And what you get is a signature cigar that has unique flavors, perfect spice, perfect amount of complexity on the palate, a cigar worthy of Gurkha's 30 years being available in the United States. Try the Gurkha Trenta today. You will enjoy the experience the overall characteristic that goes into blending this magnificent cigar, a beautiful Nicaraguan puro worthy of being called Gurkha Trenta. So that is it. And um, Sergeant Steve, I'll tell you what, we have time. For, well, of course we have time. There's no rush. Uh, let's try doing a litation ceremony. What do you think? Absolutely. Let's do it. Fire up the litation orchestra, please. Ah, there we go. Now With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. As soon as I heard the orchestra and voice talent, Ed, I knew we were in business. Now, we talked about the Padron being the number one cigar of the year from CA. And one of my favorites comes from Padron. I mentioned the Damaso. This is the first cigar that Padron launched that had anything except a Nicaraguan wrapper. There are factories in Nicaragua. They have their own cigar tobacco fields where they grow cigar tobacco plants, and they've always used a Nicaraguan wrapper. Well, they decided to do something a little bit different, something a little bit unique. So they decided to honor Damaso Padron, who was the patriarch of the Padron family, the first to arrive in Cuba in the late 1800s from the Canary Islands. In his honor, they created the Padron Damaso, which features an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler. This is a very nice medium 
I, some would say mild. To me, it's more of a medium-bodied cigar. It's not going to be your traditional mild-bodied cigar, but to me, this is just very smooth, creamy, nice notes of subtle sweetness. You can't go wrong. Now, I should also tell you that they have the number 34 and the number 32, which they call their red label. Those are differentiated because Damaso, the background is in red, whereas the regular Damaso background is in white. And when you look at the red label, it has a heartier filler blend. There's more flavor, more com- not more complexity, just more strength. And it's number 34 is a 6 by 52 torpedo, and the number 32 is 5 and a quarter by 52. So if you want something that's going to be medium, creamy, certainly the four sizes in the Padron Damaso white label, and then their red label, the two size offerings, the two Vitolas, more on the full side. But I have selected the number eight, a Corona, one of my favorite sizes, five and a half by 46. Got it in my hand. It is a beauty. Again, double band. It's got the Padron band, Padron in gold, white background. The border is uh, red burgundy. Secondary band is in white, Damaso in gold, and the background is a reddish burgundy background. The five and a half by 46 Corona number eight, beautiful looking cigar, comes in a 20 count box. Magnificent. My cigar that I will enjoy today on our inaugural. Twitter Spaces broadcast. Cigar altering and highly sharpened leaf exposing device. Well, you can hear that. That is my self sharpening double edged stainless steel guillotine ready to go. Maximum BTU flame throwing and heat producing apparatus. Well, I've got my Cigar Day five star, five jet flames arranged in a pentagon shape. Nice big tank, built in piercer. Translucent tank. I've got uh, about 70% butane in the tank, so I will be good to go today. Cigar Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut. Let me toast the foot of this beautiful Madrone Damaso. All right. Man, I tell you, I really just, it is still strange to me to see a Connecticut Ecuadorian rapper on a Padron. But I'll tell you, home run. I remember when George Padron, I was visiting down their Miami headquarters, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago. And they had these cigars. And they said, look, I want you to sample this cigar. So what is it? I'm going to tell you. Just smoke it. Tell me what you think. Honest opinion. I lit it, smoked it. I said, this is fantastic. Love it. It's totally different than, hmm. What you're you're normally known for in terms of flavor profile. And he said, we want to do something different. It's going to come out probably next year. But I just want you to smoke it. I'm going to give you a few. Go home on a clean palate. Let me know what you think. I said, George, home run. Love it. Don't change anything. They did. It's a beautiful cigar. Let me take a few puffs. Mm. Very nice. Mm Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Creaminess, but flavor, subtle notes of sweetness, not overpowering. This is a perfect any time of day or night cigar. Certainly cannot go wrong. All right. We thank you for joining us on our inaugural Cigar Dave Show. Twitter 
Spaces broadcast. We will do more of these and we will build our audience. And again, we will post this uh, on our podcast, wherever you get your podcast, we will certainly post it. Uh, either uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, iHeart, wherever you listen to your podcast, that's exactly where we will post it because we're on pretty much every major podcast platform. Cigar Dave, the general saying, Mayor Humidor always be full. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Save America. Oh, and I forgot to mention one thing. How about... Those Buffalo Bills defeated. No, they did not defeat. They did not defeat. They did not whack. They did not crush. They absolutely destroyed, destroyed the New England Patriots. 47 to 17. Was it, was it 47 17 or 47 13? Whatever it was, we kicked the living crap out of the Bella Chiefs, the Patriot Chiefs. Game over for them. And guess what? They have to now face Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills every year, twice a year. We have flipped the tables. When we used to face Brady, twice a year, it'd be like, oh, geez, here comes two losses. Oh, my. Have the tables, has the, has the momentum shifted dramatically in favor of the Buffalo Bills? Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. 